Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included. Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles. Plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Give Me the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com Episode 88 to Give Me the Hot Sauce is live. I am Mark Shinowski here in the Hustle and Flow studios in Palatine. As you can see, I'm all by myself. Stacy's uh, still convalescing, getting better. Timmy Whispers is doing some high business dealings. Where is he, in Phoenix or something like that? But yeah, we... he's in Arizona. He's in Arizona at the yeah. New Beach. <laughs> hey, hey, you better be careful. It's about 114 degrees. You might fry something hey, off down there, you hey. know? Hey, listen, you know, he doesn't have any sunscreen on. You yeah. know what happens when you wear sunscreen? Look like Larry the Lobster. Yeah, and he will be Larry the Lobster when he comes back. No <laughs> question about it. So Stacy's joining us from his home. And, and unfortunately, the ongoing uh, health issues are going on. Stacy, how are you feeling? Update the folks on, on, on what's going on. America, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back, America. I just have to take it easy, man. Anytime you have hip replacement surgery, you know, as, as good as it may feel, there are some possibilities of some setbacks. And uh, so this week uh, I had to go in to make sure that there's no infection, right. you know, and it's funny, Mark, they, uh, you know, they wanted to, cause I was having some leakage, you know, some drainage issues, you know, the wound, what the wound in the, wasn't clearly healing and they didn't know why. And so that was the reason why they went back in the second surgery. So yesterday I went in to see if the leakage is stopped. They wanted me to walk you know, um, walked to two buildings that were like three or four blocks away just to see if the act, just to see if the activity would make the wound bleed. So now you got to understand that my doctor who's, who's brilliant idea was to make me walk three blocks. Uh, he had me not do any exercises for two weeks. So this could heal up. So you, you could imagine not doing anything for two weeks, except just doing basic functional things around the right. house. The last thing I expected was to walk two blocks. <laughs> so, so get me Mark, an Uber. 
walking with my son. I'm walking with my son and the and the nurse. Okay, yeah. so we're walking from one building to another, and and I'm, my calves are starting to burn because <laughs> they have no work. They've had no work. So I get. I'm starting to cramp up. One cramp. Boom. Another comes up. Now I'm like the tin man. I'm just breaking down. I need some oil in the joints, <laughs> right? So so my son goes, "Hey, are you okay, Dad?" I'm like, "Oh, I I, I can't move anymore. My 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 calves locked up." So they had to go get me a wheelchair. So my son got me a wheelchair and he wheeled me around. So we had to go check into uh, uh, Rush Medicals, you know, because we had to do a procedure. So I'm sitting in this wheelchair. I see this lady. She got to be about 55, 60 years old. She's got a, a, a electric wheelchair. She's, yeah. she's flying up and down the <laughs> up and down the, the, the hallway, right? So I, I I started to think for a second. I started to think like a criminal. <laughs> so I had this criminal intake in my head because I'm sitting here, I'm in this raggedy wheelchair that looks like something <laughs> out of World War II. And she's got like an electric wheelchair. So I asked, I asked the girl, I said, um, can I get one of those? Those are sweet. I need one of those. And she goes, Oh, no, that's that's hers. Oh, Mark. I almost, <laughs> uh, hey, Mark, Mark, I thought about it for a split second. I almost wheelchair jacked her. <laughs> I almost did, Mark. But it would have been in broad daylight. They would, yeah. have, they would have saw me, babe. I was right in front of Panera Bread. They would have caught me. Yeah, and at 6'11", you can't hide either. So no, I don't think no. you would have got away with that crime. And, and limping over there with tight calves. They would have caught me. <laughs> you paint quite the word picture there. Hey, let's, oh. let's talk about some of the news going on in the NBA. We are uh, recording this on Thursday afternoon. And the big story Coming out of the Valley of the Sun, DeAndre Ayton is going to sign an offer sheet, a maximum offer sheet, four years, $133 million with the Indiana Pacers. But Woj is reporting that the Phoenix Suns are going to match it and keep him. That's significant in and of itself. But what it means is they're out of the Kevin Durant derby because they can't include Ayton in a trade. He can't be traded again until January 15th. What's your take on, on Phoenix? It looks like they're going to keep DeAndre Ayton. Well, they're forced to because, yeah. you know, you what they were trying to do was basically do a signing trade or put him in a position, a package to move that would benefit them. They, they're in the same situation, Mark, any team is. If you got a kid that's a star player that uh, I don't think I don't think they were happy with him. You know, I think you want to blame him for the loss against Dallas. Um, but there's a lot of blame to go around. You know, Chris Paul, you know, not playing like Chris Paul in that series. Uh, guys not making shots, Jay Crowder, but him being a big guy, I think he took a lot of the brunt of the the uh, loss, and they've been trying to move him since. And in their eyes, they're like, okay, we can get a sign and trade or a deal that's benefited to us, you know, a, a player that we can get back that we can package up later and some draft picks, let's do it. But now you're forced because he's a restricted free agent. You can't lose him for nothing. So now it's like, okay, and I don't believe they thought anyone would be able to put a package together to give him an offer sheet because no one, no other team was talking Aiden the whole time. Indiana was the only one that was in the, the sweepstakes. That's all you've heard for the last two weeks, Indiana, Indiana. And so Indiana scraped up enough money to be able to say, okay, let's go. We got, we got 133 million. Now Phoenix says, well, damn, we can't just let him walk. This was, right. a, this was the number one pick in the draft a few years ago. And he's a big reason why we made the, you know, made it to the finals two years ago. And he was a big reason why we were still one of the top teams in the Western Conference. So now you got a pony up 133. So, so the guy you didn't want, he's coming back. And nothing you can do about it. And you now you're out of the, the Kevin Durant 
uh, sweepstakes because, like you said, it can't be done until the new year. Right. And how, how about the job that Monty Williams faces now? They made it clear that they didn't think DeAndre Ayton was a max player. Now Monty Williams has got to do some damage control because remember they benched him in the second half of that blowout loss uh, to the Mavericks. And now he's got to say, oh, DeAndre, we love you. We love you. You're going to help us get win a championship this year. That's going to be a, a kind of an interesting challenge for Monty Williams. Well, you know, I don't really, I don't really think it was so much Monty. I think, you know, I think Chris Paul had a, had a say so in that. Sure. Some of the veteran players, um, you know, when you have a talent like that, that kid is, can be dominant, you know, and they didn't utilize him. They were taking a lot of threes, you know, when they were winning and, you know, we talked about that, you know, when they're front runners and they're winning, they're one of the best teams in the league. But when adversity hits, as you saw in that Dallas series, you know, they have the series lead. They're talking trash. They're, they're you know, picking picking fights, trying to embarrass Luka Doncic. And then you wake up a sleeping giant. And and all those players that play, Jalen Brunson, Max Kleber, uh, you know, uh, Finney, all those guys have, have built up so much confidence in the Utah series. Another right. series they weren't supposed to win. And they go in there and they win a game without Luka, who missed the first two games of the series. Any other superstar like that misses two games in the series, you're down 0-2, okay? No chance to win. And they went in and they won that series. So they're confident. They come into Phoenix, a game seven, and Phoenix is at home. No way in the world you see Phoenix losing that game. Get blown out. They were they were down at one point 40-plus. Yeah, they just quit, too. In a closeout game. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was something. Hey, the other big story in the NBA is that uh, the Utah Jazz are really going to blow up that team. They already traded Rudy Gobert to Minnesota. Now the news comes out that they'll listen to trade offers on Donovan Mitchell, and the team that's really been lusting after Donovan Mitchell is the New York Knicks. He's from the New York area. They have a, a bunch of draft picks they can trade, and I, I've seen trade proposals where they're going to trade R.J. Barrett and two other players and five draft picks. I mean, it's gotten crazy how much teams are asking for it. I, I love Donovan Mitchell as a player, but he's not leading you to a championship all by himself. Well, and, and I think Nick, the Knicks really don't want to part ways with R.J. Barrett. They realize they have a star in that kid. He's a foundational piece, and you know they really like to get rid of Julius Randle right. in his contract but no one's taking that contract. Okay. And you know, Utah is in really no hurry to make any deal. Okay. This is what people, these teams panic. They panic, you know, Oh, well, Kyrie doesn't want to play for us. We got to move him now. You know, Kevin Durant wants to be traded. We got to move him now. Kevin Durant's got four more years. If right. I'm the agent and the general manager, Hey buddy, I know you're frustrated. I know you're mad, but you you're going to lace them up every night. You're going to do your job. <laughs> You're going to collect your check on the 1st and 15th, and you're going to be right here in Brooklyn until we find a deal that suits us, not where you want to go. See, these right. guys, these players now, they have so much power, Mark. Uh, this guy gives you a list where he wants to go. Uh, I want to go to either Miami or I want to go to Phoenix. Well, it's not a coincidence. Those are pretty nice places to be during the winter months, <laughs> okay? So I'm sorry, buddy. It's not like you're buying a ticket uh, to the Bahamas. We're not, no, no. If we're going to trade you. If we trade you to... Philadelphia and the packages for us. We'll take, we'll trade you to Utah if the package is good enough for our franchise. Right. Generational talent guys. These are Hall of Fame guys. And you just can't just get rid of them just to get rid of them. You got to get something in return that's going to to kind of soften the blow of losing that kind of talent. Can you get a guy back like that? Nope. Okay. But we can get put ourselves in position 
to be able to stay above water until we're able to get a superstar player at some point. So all these talks are going on while the NBA holds its annual summer league in Las Vegas. It's going to wrap up on Sunday, July 17th, with the championship game. The Young Bulls are doing okay. They won two out of three so far. They did get blown out in that one loss. But I thought uh, Dalen Terry really showed some growth in the last game. You know, he was had problems with turnovers in the first two. But I think that the coaches might have talked to him and said, you know what, at this point, don't worry about trying to score. Stick to your strengths. Cut to the basket. Get to the free throw line. And I thought he looked more under control in game three and showed the kind of player that he eventually is going to be in the league. Well, I, you know, I mean, playing in the summer league myself, I understand what it's like to go there and really first rounders really shouldn't play, but maybe one or two games, simple as that. Um, because they're coming in knowing that you're drafted. You're, you're not gonna face a guy that's just gonna, you know, roll over and let you, you know, dominate him. You're gonna get an extra effort from everybody that you play in summer league. And you may not be able to match their intensity right now because this is the most intense situation you've ever been in. See, when you're in college and you're playing with other great players, you don't really understand the intensity that you face, you know, because in college, you're not getting paid. It's not about money. In, in the NBA, it's jobs, job security. It's you're getting paid. Guys get cut. They make no money. They're playing overseas. So you're facing hungry people. So every time you step in the, in the, in the, in the court in Vegas, you're going to get everybody's best game. And so that means you've got to raise your level of intensity up to be able to match what they, they're doing to show them that, hey, yeah, I understand what you're trying to do, but you ain't busting my ass here. I'm coming at you. And that's what his mentality, I thought, in that game a couple of days ago, we saw that. It's like the picture over your shoulder. It's the lion going after the sheep, yeah, right? Yeah, look, America, America, <laughs> that, that, that lion is the, it's the lion. They consider him the black sheep, but it's a lion. In America, that's me. Okay, that's me standing out there with all the haters. And, and me and Mark, Mark, that's right. Mark there's, not a, there's not a black wolf out there for Mark. Mark got eaten up by the sheep. But that's me right there, the lone, the lone black lion among sheep, okay? You know, the lion does not care about the opinion of sheep. That's right. That's my motto. Hey, when you went, we were playing summer league, they played every day, didn't they? I mean, they didn't have a, oh, this, this break oh. and, 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 and guys were just like thrown out there and, you know, you had no subs. I mean, it was crazy back then, wasn't it? Hey, listen, man, I, I, I had the best time playing summer league. I didn't really want to play yeah. because my rookie year, I played all 82 games and I felt like Mark, I felt like I earned the summer off. Okay. <laughs> I'm on the all rookie team. I thought I proved that I needed some time off. Okay. I let Jerry Krause maneuver me into playing well, four well, games. Especially, we, especially we need to go to LA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second, second half of summer league. And I'm thinking to myself, Jerry, come on, bro. 82 games? I was only one of few uh, first-year players to play all 82 games. And so I went out there because it was Los Angeles, okay? It wasn't in Vegas like it is now, okay, where it's so hot out there. Frosty and snowman can't even go to a pool party. That's how hot it is out there, okay? <laughs> so in California, we had it at uh, Loyola Marymount. That's where the summer league used to be. And the difference between L.A. and uh, Las Vegas, Las Vegas is a good place to be a couple of days. Okay, how much, you know, how much gambling can you do before you say, man, I'm losing my money, I got to go. You know, 
Uh, but in LA, there's so many things you can do. You can go out to the beach. You know, you can go out to Manhattan Beach. You can go out to Santa Barbara. I mean, you can tour the city and 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 really enjoy being in California. The weather is manageable, and uh, you know, not to mention the ladies were nice. There you go. The ladies are nice. Okay, I'm sorry about that, America. I got you know try to keep a happy home here. But, <laughs> yeah, but but the summer league was was very beneficial. To it's beneficial for everybody, but I I think it's gotten to the point now it's, where it's commercial. You know, now you're giving teams championships for winning, <laughs> for winning a summer league. You're getting a ring, Mark. Yeah, uh, I know it's that's insane. Just for insane. The summer league. That's why I say it's gotten too commercial. Too commercial. You know, everybody now. You know, you got all the sponsors and everything, and it just it's just not the same as it used to be. Yeah, take us back to when you were playing in, in the summer league. You you were an All American, one of the nation's leading scorers at Oklahoma. And then you had all these Tim Kelly wannabes coming at you on the court, trying to make their make their name against you. Did you have any experiences where you're like, "Man, get this Buster off of me"? Hey, there was a lot of those experiences, okay? Um, <laughs> but 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 I understood it, Mark, because it's like two pit bulls, okay? Two ferocious pit bulls. There's only one stake, okay? The two pit bulls ain't gonna say, "Hey, hey, Mike, let me cut this stake and have you take a piece, and I take a piece." That's not how pit bulls do. The strongest pit bull is going to dominate that stake. The other one's going to go off hungry, okay, yeah. with his tail between his legs. That's how summer league is. And if you don't have that mindset to compete and understand where this ferocity is coming at you, you know, because I'm not saying guys are jealous of your position, but what they look at you is is a measuring point so they can show teams like, hey, I should have been a first-round pick, yeah. or I'm better than your first-round pick. So they're trying to come at me super hard. And fouling you, grabbing you, getting you frustrated. You know, I'm thinking, damn, I scored so much easier in college. I was like, man, I'm like, I don't think I can score at this level. But <laughs> it was fun, though. It was fun. Yeah, but it wasn't the big production it is now. Now all 30 teams no. are there. Every game's no. on TV. Back then, there'd be guys on the court. They'd, they'd, they'd bring them on the court, you know, maybe a half hour before the game going, hey, this team is short. We got to get you out there. And they'd have their numbers on with crayon, and they'd be wearing hush puppies. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy, some of the guys you'd see playing summer league back in the day. Hey, man, I'm telling you, it, it, you know, summer, I ain't going to lie, man. So that summer league was kind of like um, – it was kind of like a circus, to be honest. With you. It was. I mean, you had you had you had free agent teams. Like yeah. I don't think this summer league has free agent teams. No, no. Where you have you have like a free agents come in, they're all one team, and they're playing against NBA guys. You know that's how it used to be. You know, um, and you either had to be drafted by the team you played, or you signed as a summer free agent. But when you were in the summer league, there were actual free agent teams, like multiple free yeah. agent teams, guys who've been overseas. You know, they come in, form a team and a coach and play you. So you're going up against some really hungry dudes, you know. Um, you know, we practice, we practice over in Inglewood, you know, um, in gang infested, in a gang infested <laughs> environment. We're wearing red. We're not supposed to wear red. I remember we were going to a practice over in Inglewood High School. We damn near had to get naked because we were, our Bulls colors were red. And so they were afraid, they were afraid to, uh, you know, afraid to, to that we would get hurt wearing these uh, red jerseys. Yeah. So we're at the high school. We go into the high school, and the high school had these fences. So when you went in, they locked the padlock, the fences, and then you know you go in. So there was there was two ways out: one entry and one exit. So they they tied the fence together, and we had to wait. So our bus uh, after practice wasn't there yet. 
So we were sitting outside in the bus. Well, the bus couldn't get in because the fence was locked and no one had the key to unlock the padlock. So we come out of practice, Mark. And so the fence was a two-way fence. So it was like, you know, it was two fences connected by a chain link, you know? And so we had to climb the fence. We had to jump over the fence to get to the bus, okay? So Phil Jackson, <laughs> Phil Jackson was like, and we had Jerry Krause was there. Uh, Clarence Gaines was there. And me and BJ. And uh, so... So we're getting ready to go. To, we're getting ready to try to get over the fence. Everybody's climbing. All the free agents are climbing over. Boom, boom. So Phil goes, "Hey Jerry, I don't think <laughs> you're gonna make this. I don't think you're gonna make no. this climb." And so Jerry was like, "Jerry's like, Jerry was really. Jerry's a guy that didn't like to be told he couldn't do something." So Jerry was like, "I used to in, in the city of Chicago. I used to have to run from the gangs, and I used to jump over fences all the time." So. I don't really know Jerry as well as I knew him later on. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm looking, he's got short little legs, short little arms. This is about a seven foot fence. What are the chances of him making it? So Not good. he gets up there. And so he gets up there and tries, he gets his foot and he tries to put his feet in the chain link fence, slips down a couple of times. Oh, God damn it. Uh -huh. You know? And so, so Clarence, Clarence Gaines goes, Hey Jerry, we might have to get a crane to get you over. Now Jerry's getting mad now. Cause everybody's making fun of him. So the free agents don't want to laugh, Mark. Everybody no. in the back's like, okay. <laughs> Me and BJ are cracking up. We we're like, ah, laughing. <laughs> so I told the free agents, I said, hey, man, y'all can laugh. This is funny. He's like, I ain't getting cut. So no one would laugh. <laughs> so, so Phil goes, all right, BJ, Stacy, help Jerry, you know, over the fence. And so we're like, oh, Phil, come on, man. No, <laughs> come on, man. This is not in our job description. There's no way in the world we can get him over the fence. Come on, man. And so, me and BJ put our cup, our hands together. We try to get him over the fence. So he gets up on the fence and then he slips in between the <laughs> fence. <laughs> but Mark, my back went out. That's the reason why he slipped through the fence. Cause my, I gave up the hand, uh, the hand thing. So I let him go. And so, cause I thought he was going to put his, fit, his foot through the fence and then get over. Yeah. But my back, he hurt my back. <laughs> And so I let him go. It was a cold blue, Mark. I let him go. So he gets stuck into the fence. He's like a, he's like a dolphin caught in the net. Ah! Help me! Help me! So we help him out. We help him out. So then he has this brilliant idea, Mark. You know the nylon ball bags that hold six balls, you know? Yeah. So Jerry has this brilliant idea that he's going to stand on the ball bag and get over, okay? And those nylon, nylon ball bags are hard. You can't even break those nylon, uh, nylon bags, Mark, unless you got like a a saw. That's yeah. how durable they are. So Jerry, Jerry has this bright idea. I'm going to get on the ball rack and get over. So he gets on the ball rack and once again, failure. <laughs> the ball bag burst. Boom. Basketball's flying all over the place, Mark. He once again, stuck in the fence. <laughs> Wiggling. Ah, woo, help me. Help me. And we're all dying laughing. Everybody but the free agents. And so so we ended up getting out. Jerry, Jerry, we go to we go to play Loyola that night. We had a game that night. So I can't play. This is the last game of summary. I can't play. So I'm in there with Chip Schaefer because Chip Schaefer was the Loyola Marymount trainer at the time. And we were auditioning. Uh, he was auditioning for the, uh, the head trainer job because Mark Fowle uh, went somewhere else. So Chip's in there putting ice on my back, stem and stuff. So Jerry <laughs> comes in. <laughs> Jerry comes in. He says, uh, he says, uh, you can't go. I'm like, nah, Jerry, you, like, you messed my back up, dude. I, I can't go. He's like, what? Are you okay? How, you're, I said, I don't know, Jerry. It's like really tight. I can't even stand up. So then Jerry goes, instead of Jerry going, okay, all right, take the night off. Everything's cool. 
Jerry was so, cause he knew I was a prankster. He knew that I was a storyteller. And, and once I got this story, it was going to get to the rest of the guys back in Chicago, Michael, Scotty, horse. <laughs> so Jerry comes back and he says, Hey, he's like, well, whatever you do, don't tell Michael Jordan this. <laughs> and then of course, of course, Mark, of course, of course, yeah. The, the little, the witty Stacy King says, Oh, don't worry about it, Jerry. I'm not going to say you. anything. I got back to the multiplex <laughs> on the Monday. My back was still hurt, but I lived in there, Mark. I told everybody it was, it was the running joke for a long time, man. And Jerry knew I did it too. Jerry's like, I was like, Jerry, it was so funny. I had to, man. I had to. I had to. Another great story from the great Stacey King about Summer League. Hey, we're going to talk more uh, NBA coming up in our later segment. But coming up next, we got a special treat for you. Dallas Mavericks play-by-play man Chuck Cooperstein is going to tell us some stories about Luka Doncic, about Mark Cuban, about all his experiences broadcasting in the great state of Texas. So that's coming up on Give Me the Hot Sauce. But, Stacy, I know you're not traveling right now, but if people need to get somewhere special – you can point them in the right direction, can't you? Oh, Mark. Mark, you you already know, Mark. Hey, Ladies that's what I do for a living, Stacy. I just lay it up for you, you know? <laughs> Mark, hold on, Mark. Let me get my ring. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I gave you a minute intro, and then and you still Mark, didn't have it. Mark, you got me, Mark. You got me. Hold on. Oh, Lord, it's not coming out, Mark. Well, I'm going to tell the folks about the, the good people you at, at Windy City Limousine. They always provide Stacy and all their special guests and anybody who gives them a call, some championship service. Making a reservation is so easy, it's like a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic in the Chicago area and get you to your destination in style and on time. Make sure to contact them at 866-94-WINDY. That's 866-94-W-I-N-D-Y. And Stacy can give you his personal testimonial that they do great work. Right, Stacey? Mark, I'm, you know what? Before I even give that, I just want to be, I'm, in, I'm just impressed with the way you handle these reads. I mean, this is the first <laughs> time I didn't fall asleep when someone else read it. There you go. You know? So, you know, you kept me engaged the whole time, you know, with the read, way you read it. Now, yeah. when, when Whispers does it, I literally fall asleep. Okay, it's the most boring reader that I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Like, if, he, if I was his son and he were telling me a bedtime story, I'd just be like, Dad, just stop. I'm just going to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm done. <laughs> Whisper's gone, but not forgotten. Coming up no. next, Chuck Cooperstein joins the show here on episode 88 to Give Me the Hot Sauce. Episode 88 to Give Me the Hot Sauce rolls on. It's now our pleasure to welcome in a very special guest. He is Chuck Cooperstein, the radio play-by-play voice of the Dallas Mavericks. And what an exciting run it was for Dallas. Uh, that Game 7 against Phoenix was one of the most surreal things I've ever seen. Why, why don't we start there? I mean, not only does the Mavericks go in there and kick their butts, but Phoenix was so stunned. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that in, in watching sports all my life. Well, what was your experience like calling that game? Well, especially after, you know, losing the first game by seven, but trailing by double digits for a lot of the game, uh, losing the second game by 21, uh, giving up 40 in the fourth quarter, losing the third, the third time in Phoenix in game five by 30, losing 110 to 80. Uh, who could have expected that even after the Mavericks won convincingly uh, in game six? Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. I've never seen a team score 27 points in a half, uh, especially a team that had won 64 games in the regular season, uh, a team that was 
basically on its own mission to complete what they could not do the year before. Uh, they should have won the championship in 2021. They didn't do it. And they came out and, and in a lot of ways, actually remind it ultimately reminded me a lot of the 2007 Mavericks who lost to Miami in the finals. They should have won that series. Uh, and then the next year they go out after losing the first four games of the year, uh, they wind up winning 67 games, but then lose in the first round of the Warriors. They didn't, they didn't complete the deal and it took them four more years to ultimately win their championship. Now, what does that mean for Phoenix now? I mean, I don't know, but, uh, the Mavericks were certainly ready to play. They were, they were certainly not awed of the circumstances. And I think when they came out punching in game seven, that, uh, that Phoenix didn't really know what hit them. And it, it was, it, I think I said, uh, I may have tweeted after the game. I, said, I, I think the most, as crazy as it was, I think you could hear the absolute astonishment in my voice. <laughs> Every time the, the lead went from 10 to 15 to 20 to 25, it's 30 at halftime. <laughs> They've given up 27 points. I, I, I what do, what do you say? I mean, it, it was the inflection of the voice, I think, that you know that I o will always take from that game. And uh, look, you know, they they gave uh, they gave it their best shot. They ran out of gas against Golden State, uh, which played them uh, extremely well. Their, their defense kind of failed them uh, in the Golden State series. And now they know they've got uh, they got a taste of the, the real stuff. And now they they want a whole big bite out of it. Uh, going forward this year, although it's it's going to be really, really difficult. The Western Conference is just totally loaded. Well, the one thing I took away from that series uh, with Phoenix was, is that, you know, all the talking that, you know, Booker and all those guys were doing that upset Luca. I remember after the game, they're walking off and Luca had made some comment, you know, talk, talk when you have a lead or something he said to that point. And when I saw him do that, it brought back, it brought back MJ DNA. That's something MJ would do. That's something Larry Bird would do. Like, okay, you want to talk trash. Now you know what we up and now I'm getting ready to make you pay. And I thought that was kind of the turning point of the series. It was kind of, it was kind of like uh, in the 2011 finals when Dirk, when uh, uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron yes. yeah. faked off on Dirk. You know, and you know, Dirk said, "You you want to you want to do that? Okay, kids. You know, here we go." And uh, the Mavericks ultimately won that series. But there, there there was a lot to that. Yeah, you know, don't poke the bear unless you absolutely you have to poke the bear. Uh, but there really wasn't any reason for that. But um, you know, I think as the series went on, uh, the Mavericks had a way they they had figured out how to play against both Paul and Booker, which they were they had a very difficult time with. Uh, especially, uh, you know, in the games in Phoenix. I mean, I guess the, the amazing part of that series ultimately was that none of the games were competitive. No, in fact, uh, the only time that they were actually in a quote-unquote clutch situation as defined by the NBA was in the final 10 seconds of game one after the Mavericks had rallied from 18 down. Uh, Luka got it down to a five-point game with 10 seconds to go. They fouled. There were two free throws left. That was the only time of the series that in the fourth quarter, the game was within five points. And again, it really didn't matter at that point. There wasn't enough time. You've got a court side seat to watch Luca every night. And I think for the average fan, they don't know quite what to make of him. You know, here, here's this six, seven guard who can do so many things on the court. And yet 
at times he'll dominate the ball. He'll take crazy shots. He seems to argue at the re- with the referees on just about every call, and his coaches have gotten on him, I know, for that. What What is the real Luka Doncic like that you've come to know over the last few years? We know he's an intense competitor, but is he is he a good teammate? Is he a guy that the, the, the his teammates gravitate to? Absolutely. Um, and again, I, I wish I was around them more, but I haven't traveled for the last couple of years with the team either. So, you know, our, our exposure to them is far more limited than it was pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that they love playing with them. Uh, it's clear when you see a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith and a guy like Jalen Brunson basically playing with him and having their games elevated because he has put them in a position to succeed and ultimately get paid. Uh, and I think and everybody does like that um, in, in the NBA and in any professional sport. And they see how competitive he is. And they know that when he is at his best, they will always have a chance to win. And in fact, on a lot of nights, a really good chance to win. And there are very few players in the NBA that you can say that about. So, uh, you know, he's great off the floor. Uh, you know, there's I know there's there's fun in that locker room and he's a part of that. Um, and he, you know, they know that he, he is their meal ticket. And so they're, you know, they're all ready to do whatever they can to help him. And as a result, he knows that even with his 38 to 40% usage rate, which is way too high, uh, they know, uh, he knows that he needs them. He, he, he knows, you know, certainly They'll go back to the Clipper series in the bubble, or not even some, well, a little bit in the bubble, but certainly uh, the year before uh, in 21 when they had uh, the 2 nothing and 3-2 leads in that series, and there wasn't enough help there. And Luca basically had to do everything, and ultimately it wasn't enough. And you see what happened in the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson, when Luca was out, had those monster games against Utah, but, you know, had a phenomenal series. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith was a 44% three-point shooter in the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, Reggie Bullock was a tremendous defender and and clutch three-point shooter, and those guys were playing – they were playing more minutes than Luca was. In fact, I think at the time that the Mavericks ultimately were eliminated, I think they played the second and third most minutes per game uh, in the playoffs. They were heavily re- uh, relied upon. Uh, so uh, he got a lot of help, but obviously, you know, when you're playing against the Golden States of the world, you need more help. And I think ultimately that's, you know, what the Mavericks are trying to do. And um, I think everybody knows that. So, uh, hey, let's let's get to October and let's play. Well, I, I, you know, one of the things I remember seeing him as a rookie, we played him in a preseason game and I was talking to Derek Harper about Luca and I said, man, he, he just reminds me of Larry Bird. You don't ever hear anybody comparing Larry Bird. It's always Michael, Magic, or something. You never hear players, and it's not just because he's white. It's just the way he plays the game and how he makes everyone around him better. Uh, and the one thing I took away from the conversation with D. Harp was um, when Rick Carlisle would get on him, you know, as a rookie, he would just look at, look at him like, really? Like, <laughs> uh, I'll do what you need me to do, but I'm still going to do what I do. And he didn't back down from being the player that he is and what everyone has saw in Europe when he was one of the best players as a teenager in Europe. His game didn't change. And most guys change a little bit when a coach gets on them and says, okay, you're dribbling too much or you're shooting too much. He just stayed true to himself. And Derek Harper said, Rick Carlisle just realized I got to leave this kid alone. He's special. Well, and that's when, you know, the Mavericks made the trade for Porzingis. And they, you know, and uh, you know, traded Dennis Smith away and gave Luca the keys to the car, 
Um, and listen, on, on some level, uh, Rick was not wrong when it comes with Luca. He, he, do, he does play at his own pace. And, you know, the Mavericks sometimes do play too slowly and they do uh, get themselves into situations where they're late in the shot clock and they don't get the ideal shot. And sometimes his handle is a little loose and he does throw soft passes and, and there are uh, unforced turnovers that are uh, avoidable turnovers. Uh, and listen, uh, that used to drive Rick insane. I know it drives Jason Kidd insane, but it, I guess on some level, because he is, as good as he is, you have to live with that. But it, it does make you wonder if he ever really did tighten up that aspect of his game. I don't think anyone would ever expect him to be Chris Paul and have an assist to turnover ratio of four to one. But if Luca was closer to two and a half to one or 2.75 to one, as opposed to, uh, you know, basically around a little, a little over two to one. Uh, if he was better in that regard, I mean, how many more possessions would the Mavericks have and how many more points theoretically he could score, the team could score, and maybe that means a few more wins. I mean, so, I mean, as great as he is, and he is, it's not like there aren't areas of his game uh, that can't be cleaned up and uh, can't be tightened up to make him even better than he already is. Chuck, you've been working with the Mavericks for a long time, and of course everyone knows who owns the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Mark Cuban, who's been a controversial owner to say the least. He's been fined so many times by the league. He's run out on the court to challenge referees and opposing players. Uh, Has he ever gotten on you about anything you said on a broadcast? And and do you have a favorite Mark Cuban story that you can share with our listeners? Mark's been great to me. He's phenomenal to me. Um, He trusts me to, to do my job and call the game as I see it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I have always taken the attitude of uh, bringing an objective broadcast uh, with a Mavericks point of view because Maverick fans are listening. Uh, I'm not from the we, they, us school of broadcasting. Uh, I'm one who, there's no doubt, if you listen to me, you know you know which team uh, I really do sure. hope wins. But, you know, the guy is shooting three of 17. He's three of 17. I mean, that's, that is an, uh, that is, uh, an objective fact. Uh, you know, as, as long, and Mark told me this, even when, when I got the job uh, back in the summer of 2005, he said, look, you know, we know who you are, uh, but just don't make it personal. You know, just it, it's, it, there's a difference between doing a talk show uh, and doing games. You know, as, as, a, game, as, as a play-by-play guy, uh, ultimately, you, you are first and foremost a reporter. It's who, what, where, why, uh, and when. You know, all, all, all the stuff that we all learn, you know, in first year of journalism school. Right. But uh, at the same time, you know, we need to be entertaining. And we need to be able to keep our audience as long as we can possibly keep them. I mean, look, I would love to think that my, you know, my skill and my talent uh, and the quality of my team would allow would allow people to stay with me for all two and a half hours of the game. I know that's not true. <laughs> I know that just doesn't happen. Uh, but Mark has let, let me be me. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't ask for anything more out of, uh, out of any boss. Uh, and ultimately he is my boss. Talk a little bit about what the Mavericks plans going into next season, because you taste the Western conference finals, you lose Jalen Brunson, a key member of that team in free agency where do they make up for that and do they continue to try to better that by put adding pieces this summer well they have one roster spot left so i think they're probably waiting to see 
know what sort of shakes out from the Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell world. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think what we're, it's July 14th today. I, I think losing Brunson uh, and not yet replacing him uh, is, is something that they're, they're, they're looking at, but something that they probably feel they could fill today or they could fill a week before training camp starts. I think those players, uh, that extra ball handler uh, who can run an offense and, uh, you know, get for, you know, for 10, 12 minutes a game uh, is, uh, I think it's something that's really valuable. I think, you know, last year, you know, Jason, Jason talked about it. Rick had even talked about it before he, uh, you know, before he left the team. Uh, you know, I want to have multiple ball handlers on the floor and in, in a lot of ways to try to take some of the heat off of Luca even if ultimately the ball winds up back in Luca's hands at some point, uh, yeah. you know, does Luca have to bring the ball up the floor every time? Can you have other people do that and have Luca start, you know, start from the block or start from the wing? You know, there's, there's a pet play that the Mavericks want to run basically to start every, almost, almost every game where, you know, Luca will be on the left side of the floor um, basically around the block and there'll be a, you know, a, a guard that comes and pins down and then he comes up and gets a dribble handoff and circles right and gets himself in the lane and shoots a floater. I mean, we know it's coming every game. Can't really stop it. But, uh, but again, it's an example where he doesn't necessarily have to start with the ball in his hands. Uh, and I think that they ultimately that is their goal. How, how they achieve that, I'm, I'm not really sure right now. Is it, is it another ball handler? Um, you know, do they feel like the addition of Christian Wood uh, who handles it pretty well for a big guy. You know, he's never been, you know, a great passer uh, and, and uh, guess, uh, you know, uh, uh, get, uh, get others involved as well. I mean, he's not, never been a high assist. He's not Jokic. Let's put it that way. He's not Jokic. Yeah. Uh, but can, can he do something? Can they run their offense, you know, from the block with Christian Wood and then have some movement that way. But, you know, it's, it's so hard to see them uh, doing a whole lot different, even if I think in the playoffs, you kind of have to do some things different because you're just so well scouted at that point. Uh, but when you have someone who is as, as effective in the pick and roll game as Doncic is, I mean, he's just absolutely devastating, whatever metric you want to use. Um, and you have a guy like Christian Wood or and or JaVale McGee who are able to set screens, roll and finish. Pretty hard to go away from that. It's pretty you kind yeah. of want the ball in Luke's hands at that point. Chuck, you mentioned Dirk Nowitzki earlier in our interview. Uh, what was it like for you chronicling the the best parts of his career? Phenomenal. Just what an incredible player. Grossly underappreciated, I think, uh, throughout his career. Uh, and an even better person if it's possible. <laughs> if you can be a better person than you are a player at, at that level. That's Dirk. Um, you know, I was inc incredibly fortunate, and I have been incredibly fortunate that I had uh, 14 years of Dirk, and now I have Luca. You know, following up wow. on that, and there's there's no there's no desert for me when it comes <laughs> to high drama moments and the ability to produce under pressure. Um, he's uh, you know, listen, he he's the franchise. He get he, he he's uh, we ha we have his uh, uh, banner in the Raptors. It's going to be a statue that's going to be out in front of the American Airlines Center probably sometime next year. Uh, whatever Dirk wants, if Dirk says he wants it, it's like 
he says jump, we all say how high, and we're all happy to do that. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit. You know, growing up in Oklahoma, you know, I'm big. I'm a big football. Football's king. Texas football is king as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that 1988 uh, Dallas Carter football team, which is considered one of the greatest high school teams uh, ever. It had so many. You know, I've seen the documentary. People have seen that documentary on their story. How that, how how was it covering that team and being in Dallas at the time where this was this team was almost as big as the Dallas Cowboys as far as like a high school team and all the things that happened after they won that state championship the the, the trouble that these kids got into and, and and which was a sad story. Yeah, it's it was uh, you know I was working at KRLD News Radio uh, at that time. Um, I was never a big high school guy. Uh, you know, I came from New York. We, we know nothing about high school football in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it was an education for me coming to Texas and, uh, and, and figuring that out. But I, I never got myself in you know, so deep that it, it ultimately, it, that it affects me. I still have a hard time understanding how uh, the performance of 16-year-olds can materially affect the life of 45 and 50-year-olds. You know, the, the high school team wins, then they, these adults are somehow happy. They're living vicariously through those kids. And I, I never think that kids should be subjected to things like that. And so, I've, you know, I've had, a, I've had a really difficult time and had a difficult time, still do, really, with that. But, you know, as a news story, it, it certainly was, it was remarkable. Uh, the, the back and forth in, in the courts, you know, every week you know, during the playoff that year, you know, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? When is this going to get done? I mean, what, the, what, I think in the, in the fourth round, I think it was, they ultimately didn't know until the morning of the game, they were actually going to be able to play that night. Um, it was insane. Uh, but uh, Stacey, as you say, the, the talent level, uh, you know, less led by uh, Jesse Armstead uh, was, you know, that's, it was it was a, an, an NFL high school team that was, you know, in, in the future, right? Four years later, a bunch of those guys were going to the NFL. And then, you know, you, then you had that and, and all the glory that comes with that. And then you have the other side of the coin with, with Derek Evans, you know, who probably was, if not the top cornerback recruit in the country. Uh, it didn't take long before the role was called. Uh, and, uh, you know, he did, he did the... Uh, the signing day in the hot tub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he and, he and Gary Edwards get into trouble and, uh, you know, all, all heck breaks loose. And it's, um, you know, it was a very, it, it was a very instructive story uh, as it relates to uh, the, um, the level of it, the intensity of football in the state of Texas. Um, there was certainly the racial component that was involved there that uh, could could not be ignored, uh, as you know, Dallas Dallas Independent School District had become uh, more and more um, African American, Latino, and, uh, and you know a lot of white flight, and uh, these and these this team was bringing pride back to to DISD, um, so you know you had that element of it, um, and then you had uh, just the the pure football talent that if you were just taking all of that aside. And, and watching that and thinking, my God, this is a high school team. <laughs> no, no, this, this is a team that they could win games at the Division One level. That's, that's how good they were. But Chuck, you, you had a remarkable career going from that. You've called college football and, and basketball in the great state of Texas, uh, covered in the Big 12 Conference. And now with the Mavericks, as you mentioned, from Dirk to Luka, the championship in 2011, and, and more great years ahead coming up for the Dallas Mavericks. And we thank you so much for joining us as our special guest here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. 
Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me. Have a great summer. Thank Just, you. So I will see you when we come to the Big D, Big guy. There you go. <laughs> I will see you, man. Take care. All right, buddy. Thanks again. All right. Uh-huh. Bye. Chuck Cooperstein joining us on episode 88 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Coming up next, we're going to spray it all fields as we wrap up the show. Keep it right here. Episode 88 to Give Me the Hot Sauce rolls on. We want to thank some of our great sponsors who've supported us for what seems like years, Stacy, but it's only been about 18 months we've been doing the show. We're having a great time. One of, our, one of the guys who's been with us on the ride, our friend Jeff Vukovic, when it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance. That's Jeff Vukovic. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. Stacy's got the gum going. He's convalescing, but I think the Golden Pipes are still <laughs> ready to roll, right? Nationwide is on <laughs> your side. Stacy always <laughs> delivering. It doesn't matter what kind of condition he's in, how many times he's had to go to the doctor, he is ready to roll. Hey, I'm like the old Chevy truck, baby. It never goes wrong. You start it up, no matter if it's a dead or winter, or it's been sitting for six months, you start it up, it's going. Absolutely. Going Absolutely. Stacy's a trooper, no question about it. And one guy who's been through the NBA wars is uh, Goran Dragic. We talked about last week when he agreed to a deal with the Bulls that he'll be remembered forever on Stacy and Neil's call of the Derrick Rose dunk. <laughs> but but now he's going to be a member of the Chicago Bulls, and it's kind of interesting. You know, we had Chuck Cooperstein on. Everyone thought he was going to go to the Mavericks because he and Luka are both from Slovenia, and they thought that it would be perfect that Goran could back up his country mate, but Dragic gave an interview to media in Slovenia a couple days ago, Stacy, and he said the reason why he didn't go to Dallas is they wouldn't guarantee him a meaningful role. He said in his talks with the Bulls, they promised him he would play 20 to 25 minutes a game backing up Lonzo Ball at the point guard spot, and immediately that sets off alarm bells in your head like they got six or seven guards. Where are they going to get 20 to 25 minutes for Goran Dragic? Well, you know, I've been trying to work up on my Slovenia. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the, the app's not working. I, I don't have that language in there. So I don't know. I don't know if he said I don't know if that's true, Mark. Um, I, I just find that hard to believe yeah. that the Bulls would guarantee someone a free agent 20, 25 minutes, especially a guy who's been injured the last couple of years and hasn't played consistently due to injury. Um, I think that if there was a promise, I would see if you would say, did the Bulls promise anything? would be the opportunity to be a backup point guard and, yeah. you know, and probably say, and probably be on the lines of, you know, if Lonzo needs rest, injuries, not healing or whatever, more minutes will be there for you. It's hard for me to believe that AK and Mark would guarantee someone because you can't guarantee those minutes because what if IO is playing well, Io's coming off being on the second team, all rookie team and showing you that he's the point guard of the future. Uh, you got, you got Terry, Terry's going to be a guy that will be like Ayo. He's going to have to work his way into the rotation. He's not going to factor into the rotation. But you got Alex Caruso. You got Kobe White, who's still on the roster. They haven't traded him. Ayo, I mean, where Zach and Zach and uh, Demar are locked in at the two and three. Okay, so that means that means there's really only one position for all the rest of these guys to play is point guard. And how can you guarantee someone 20 to 25 minutes a night when you have guys like Caruso and Io who showed the coaching staff last year that they are those guys coming off the bench. They can play 30, 35 minutes off the bench. Yeah, we had put out a poll question, Stacey, asking our fans who they thought would lose minutes. And we put the options 
as being Dragic, Kobe White, Io DeSumo, or Dalen Terry. And the results that we came in, 51% of the people thinks that uh, Kobe White will be the guy that's going to be on the losing end of this. And really, you can't play five or six guards, so somebody's going to have to sit and watch. Well, the good thing the good thing about Terry is Terry's six foot seven. So you right. can play him at two guard and three, small forward. So I think that's where he's going to get a majority of his minutes this year uh, because of his length and his athleticism. Um, I don't see him playing point guard. I, it's in that old adage, Mark, where the more ball handlers you have on the floor, the more dangerous you are. I, I think it's going to be something like that. So you throw Dan and Terry out there at six foot seven at a wing position that can handle the ball like a point guard. Uh, Patrick Williams had the power forward that can handle the ball. You're, you're going to have four players on the floor at any, at any given time that can handle the ball. And so, uh, but as far as like, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't know, you know, you, you start seeing these stories, Mark, where, where some of these uh, reporters or they put out fake news and then people <laughs> grow with it and believe it. And then someone else writes something else on it. And then you're like, find out later that it was a, a fake. It didn't count. There's no, I just can't, I find it hard to believe that AK and Mark would guarantee someone right. 20, 25 minutes with the guards that we already have on the, in the stable. Yeah, well, supposedly, again, we don't know exactly the validity of those reports, but these are quotes from Dragic saying that he was promised that time. So we'll see how that, that all shakes out. And one of the things that Chuck Cooperstein said was the fact that they're they're keeping a roster spot open to maybe try to find a guy who gets caught in the uh, – kind of the wash of the whole Kevin Durant yeah. uh, uh, trade and the possibility of Donovan Mitchell being traded. Because if these are three or four players for one, you know, guys are going to be getting cut and all of a sudden somebody might be available that you really like and you could make a move on them. And there's also two, two months plus until training camp. So even though the Bulls roster is set with 15 guaranteed contracts, doesn't mean they couldn't trade Kobe White sometime between now and the end of September when training camp starts. Well, he, he's, he's a piece. I mean, he gives the Bulls options. You know, I still think a lot of people are down on Kobe, don't believe in Kobe, okay? Uh, I'm not one of those guys. I believe Kobe is not a point guard. He's a combo guard. He's more of a shooting guard than he is a point guard, and I think they need to, in my personal opinion, is to get him going in that direction. I know he was a point guard in North Carolina, but even in North Carolina, he wasn't a point guard. He was a scoring point guard. So put him in those positions, put him in positions to succeed. Uh, give him a defined role. Say, hey, you're going to be our sixth man. He knows every night he's coming off the bench as a sixth man like Jamal Crawford, Ben Gordon, you know, Lou Williams, and you're going to get us buckets. You know, you go out there and get us buckets, get us going. You're going to play big minutes for us off the bench. And I think if you put him in a role, define his role, Mark, I think he will grow into that role because, listen, Every, every young player wants to be a star in this league. Everybody wants to be a star. Unfortunately, there's only a few that can do it. But you, there's other ways that you can help a team and, and allow yourself to be part of something special. Jalen Brunson is, is the prime example. He's playing along Luka. This guy was a second-round pick. He just got $26 million a year playing a role with Luka. So you can get paid and still be productive in this league. You don't always have to be the number one option. You've been watching the summer league games like a lot of Bulls fans, and uh, we've seen the performances of Dalen Terry and Justin Lewis and Marco Simonovic, but there's a big guy coming off the bench I know caught your attention. McCurr Maker. Yeah. Maker Maker? Maker Maker? McCurr. McCurr Maker. McCurr. McCurr Maker. Yeah. I like that kid. I saw him. I saw him. When I saw him the other night, um, I like the way he runs the floor. I like the way he uses athlete. He can handle the ball, he can shoot it. 
Uh, he was, I guess he was playing in Australia last year. The G League wanted him to play in the G League. This kid was a top five high school player a couple of years ago. Uh, decided to go to uh, the HBCU. Uh, Howard. Howard. Yeah. And uh, wanted to go that route. Didn't work out for him. Kind of fell out of the radar. Uh, had to go play overseas instead of staying in the G League. And had he, I think had he stayed in the G League, I think he would have got drafted. You know, because when you look at him, you know, he's got size, length as a seven-footer. He can he can block shots. You know, he's raw, just like any 20-something-year-old kid. They're raw, you know. This is what development's all about. You have to develop. Everybody's not going to be a finished product, Mark. And I think a lot of these teams look at these kids coming out, and they're not realistic expectations. You know, they expect a guy to be like Montero. Montero's a finished product right now. He's NBA-ready. But there's going to be a lot of those kids who went high in the draft. Uh, I think Keegan Murray is a finished product. I think he's a, he's ready to play right now. He's showing you. Um, you know, I think Ivy in Detroit is another kid that's going to come in ready to play from day one. But there are going to be a lot of kids, Mark, that were drafted high. It's going to take a couple of years for them to figure it out. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think a lot of teams, they want finished products. They don't want, you know, even though they draft on potential and ceiling, they want those kids with potential and ceilings to be ready to play from day one. And that doesn't always happen. And then teams give up on guys like a Bamba. You're just going to let him walk. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, you're going to let him go out and get a restricted free agent thing and say, uh, go out there and get something. We know you're not worth it. And then whatever you will match it. Well, now you got to match 133. So someone out there appreciated what Ayton did, Indiana, and gave him an offer seat. Now the people who didn't want him in the first place now is forced to pay it or they lose them for nothing. Yeah, and I know a call the G League games last year that there's there's roster spots that are open. Uh, the general manager of the Windy City Bulls, Josh Krybeck, does a really good job, but a kid like McCore Maker would be fantastic if they can get him to the G League squad. There's a lot of teams that are trying to figure out what to do with those two-way spots right now. The Bulls have already given one to uh, Justin Lewis, the young guy from Marquette, who's looked good in the summer league. Malcolm Hill is the other two-way player, but doesn't mean you can't inv invite a guy to training camp and make a decision after that because it's always at the end, Stacey, it's got to be competition. The best guys get the roster spots, and if you have to eat a little money along the way, so be it. Well, I think the one thing you see with this kid, you know, also being the fact, Mark, that he's raw, but the one thing that the upside of this kid, he's seven-footer, he can play multiple four or five positions for you. He can shoot threes. He showed you can shoot the three, he can run the floor. And when I saw him the other night, and then I saw him against Toronto, I think, when they blew him out. Um, I, the first thing that crossed my mind was uh, Pascal Siakam. It, it just He just reminded me of a bigger Pascal Siakam. I'm not saying you know, he's like that now. If you remember uh, Pascal when he first came to the league, he was raw too. Sure. He, 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 he played he in the G League. Out. Yeah, he played in the G League, and, and he, you know, he had to grind his way and improve his game. But the thing about it was Dwayne Casey does a great job of, of really scouting those African players. He always hits a home run with the mm -hmm. African players because he does that um, NBA without boundaries or, or borders or yeah, something. Yeah, basketball without so he's borders. Seeing, he's seeing players from Africa uh, that other coaches are not going over there to see because they're not named players. They're not someone that you go, oh, we want to go see, you know, Chet Holmgren in, in, in Gonzaga <laughs> that yeah. you already know about. These are kids that no one knows about. So, you're, you know, those kids come in, they're hungry. They're trying to, you know, did you see the Giannis Antetokounmpo's uh, Oh, I did, lives? yeah. Oh, yeah, that was great. Really well okay. done. Okay, and, and and there's 100 
there's hundreds of those guys sure. over there that are just like Giannis, that are hungry, that will do anything to get over to America to play in the NBA. And you just got to find it. I think, you know, Maker is a, is a kid that if gets in the right system and gets under the right development, could be something special in a couple of years. Yeah, hopefully the Bulls get a chance to bring them on their G League squad. That would really be a good move to add to their depth of or with Marco Simonovic playing at the center position. Hey, a couple of quick hitters before we go, but before we do that, this is uh, Tim Kelly's favorite read and whispers. This is an honor of you. I want to tell you about the good friends at Angel Water, Chicagoland's largest water conditioning service. Chicagoland water can have chromium-6, pesticides, E. coli, and all kinds of other nasty stuff. You know, water makes up 60% of your body, 75% of your brain. Call Angel. They'll test your water for free with the code KING21. So call 847 847- 382-7800 for a free water test and healthy water plan. Make sure to use the code KING21. It's what Tim Kelly has used for over 20 years. And with Mark, an endorsement like I'm that. Say, yeah. I'm just going to say, you made me just want to go out and, and get some angel water. That's right. That read, that read was so inspiring. <laughs> you know? and, and I think I'm going to go order some angel water. That's right. right we we encourage everyone to do that. Yeah. So when Tim reads that read, I don't really want to order it because I'm I'm sleep halfway through the read, so I don't even know what he's reading. Yeah, so, we we want to slip him a time. glass filled with E. coli when he reads that. <laughs> but but Mark, I'm up the whole time when you're reading because I'm like I'm excited to hear what you got to say. But Tim, you know, oh, you want some angels? <laughs> we're we're doomed. We'll never make it. Why are we here? But, you know, Tim, Timmy Whispers has his fan base. People love him, and we yeah. love him, too. Yeah. Listen, man. Just not really good not at doing the ad reads. <laughs> the, show, the show is not the same without Timmy Whispers. No, that's for and sure. You know what? Listen, the guy says two words every show. But, but he always gets a laugh. Words. Guaranteed to get they're a impactful. laugh. They're impactful. <laughs> that's what it's all about. You know who else is impactful is uh, Ozzie Guillen, our friend, oh, former player oh. manager with the White Sox. Now he's challenged the sports writer John Heyman to a fist fight for charity because Heyman criticized him for saying that he was trying to get Tony LaRusso's job by criticizing him on the postgame show. Ozzie doesn't care who's signing his checks. He's not worried about it. He'll say whatever he wants on the pre- and postgame shows. Hey, he, re- he reminds me of Norm Van Leer. Yes, he does. Norm Van Leer was like that. Norman Lee didn't care if the Bulls paid him, Comcast paid him. He was going to say what he wanted to say, his opinion. If you don't like it, tough. Don't listen. And Ozzy's the same way. I will say this, because I saw that that explosion on TV. And I was just sitting there for a second. I was just like, wow, like, that's (laughs) kind of harsh. That's kind of harsh. You know, Tony LaRusso has been taking taking some on the chin lately, okay? Yeah. Um, And I kind of thought it was a little hard from Ozzy. But if you know Ozzy and you understand, like, this is him. It doesn't matter if it was Tony La Russa, if it was, you know, uh, anyone else. He would have done the same thing. So that's why people who know him, guys who played with him, know that he would have done that for anybody. And he's not trying to get the job. I know some people would think that, and there's got to be some kind of loyalty to that. But when you're an analyst, man, there's a fine line. You know, you heard Chuck Cooperstein talk about, you know, uh, Mark Cuban you know, telling him, hey, do what you got to do, but don't make it personal, you know, and that sometimes I think that has to go to everybody, you know, you have as a broadcaster, you got to be fair 
but you also got to be, you know, you got to be truthful. You can't hide things when other people want you to hide it. Sometimes those things, Mark, nobody wants to talk about. You know what I'm saying? It's uncomfortable. But Ozzy's not afraid, man. I give him credit. You know, Stacey, you brought up our good friend, Norman Van Leer, and, and sitting next to him all those years doing pre and post, there were times where I'd be sitting right next to him. I mean, he's literally right next to me, and I can see the twitch in his forehead, and I know, yeah. oh, no, what is he going to say now? And I'm always thinking about either they're going to take us off the air or all of us are going to lose our job with what, what Norm was going to say. And, and you could just see it coming. You couldn't stop him because he was going to say no. whatever whatever he wanted to say. And you knew it came from the, the fact that he played basketball a certain way. People remember him and Jerry Sloan, that great Bulls backcourt that would knock your teeth out, you know, when the game was yes. as physical as it was back in the 60s and 70s. And, and Norm thought that the game should be played a certain way, and damn it, if they didn't, people were going to hear about it. And Ozzy's the well, same he way. Co- he, he coached the same way in Rockford. There's stories. In Rockford, when I went up there to coach, I remember God telling me, hey, you're not going to be Norm Van Leer, are you? Fight the players. I'm like, what? Fight the players? He, he said, Norm, Norm at halftime came in the locker room and one of the players mouthed off to him. And so Norm basically told everybody to leave the locker room except the guy. And uh, <laughs> let's just say, let's just say Norm was the only one that came out of the locker room after that. I, I don't know if he got beat up to the point where he had to be an ambulance. But let's just say the guy didn't come back and after halftime and Norm came out looking as fresh as he did when he came in at halftime. Yeah, I, I tell you, Norm coached high school basketball for a while at Mount Carmel. I mean, he coached in the CBA, as you mentioned, and, of course, he played a great career, broke in with the old Cincinnati Royals, and it was traded to the Bulls, and, and he never changed all the way along the way. We, we miss Norm dearly each and oh, every day. Oh, miss him terribly. Yeah. He would be so much fun. On the on our podcast, yes, like, Norm. He, he, you know, he he passed away before podcasts got big. Right, and I could actually see him having a podcast. You know, Storm and Norman, and he would have been great as a guest on our. I, mean, I, I would, matter of fact, I would have put him on the show because because he's the guy is not afraid to say what's on his mind. Ozzy would be another guy. Yeah, we got to get we got to get Ozzy on podcast. here. <laughs> yeah, we got to get. He told me he'll come. You he told me he's coming. He, he's gonna come on. Him and Big Hurt. Yeah. She'll like it too. <laughs> they keep bringing out new commercials. One's wackier than the other. Now they got him walking hey. down the street and Doug Flutie's throwing a football. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Hey, I, every time I see, every time I see Big Hurt, I tell a man, listen. She'll like it. You sound, you sound a little creepy. You sound a little creepy. But, yeah. but, hey, you getting paid? I don't care. You hey, they must be selling a lot of product because those hey, commercials keep coming. Genetics, baby. Hey. You know, men, men, day, men over fifty now listen to that uh, commercial. Yeah. And then when it, soon as soon as he says, they'll like it too, or she'll like it too. Everybody's buying it now. Like say Frank, this Frank said that she's gonna like it too. I'm gonna buy me a bottle today. Yeah. Now they got the one where they have a whole section of people in the bleachers saying, and she'll like it too. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's taken on a life of its own. Oh. And that so one it's, little phrase. Yeah. That one little phrase. She'll like it too. And so as Stacy's stories, he told a story earlier, and if you missed it, go back and listen to it again about Jerry Krause trying to get over the fence <laughs> in LA. One of our Twitch uh, streamers has said, this is from uh, Mahogany Woods Poppy, says, Stacy, Jerry never had the makings of a varsity athlete. So. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> hey, hey, he was a college a- catcher, I think, at Bradley. He was, he was Jerry, listen, it's, it, Jerry's an interesting story, man. Um, Jerry was a ball boy at the high school. 
They're trying to censor Stacy. We've got a, a freeze in our stream here. What? What? <laughs> oh, you're back. Stacy's back. Let's talk about a, your stream. Talk about a freeze. Yeah. I just said. I just said that um, Jerry's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, a guy who was a was a ball boy in high school, uh, professional scout in baseball, uh, and then coming back and being a scout yeah. in basketball and turning the program around and uh, doesn't get the credit he deserves. He should. He should have a statue. Honestly. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but Jerry Krause should have a statue somewhere in the United Center. And very worthy. He's just as responsible for those six championships than any of the players that played on those teams or any of the other coaches or anything. He should have a place up there in a statue somewhere. I know it won't be a big statue because Jerry's a little guy, but the (laughs) (laughs) the fact he should have one. Yeah, absolutely, and and certainly deserving of that spot in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Hey, before we get out of here, we want to pass along our congratulations to one of our friends who was appeared on our show a few months ago, Allie Quigley of the Chicago Sky. She won yes. the three-point shooting contest, and she dusted the competition. She went last. She shot a 30 in the last round. And, and for people who followed the three-point contest through the years, normally the NBA, you know, they're getting uh, high teens, low 20s. Allie Quigley, now they have two four-point balls, which help now, but she had 30 points in the finals to win that. She won it four of the five times she participated, and like a great boxer, she said, that's it, I'm done, I retired. I won it at home, I'm not doing it again. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I immediately text her. Uh, she's a friend of mine, and I told her, I said, damn, girl, you brought the hot sauce. I said, I didn't, I didn't know where you were giving the hot sauce, Allie. It was amazing because, Mark, the fact that the pressure of being at home Okay, uh, being a repeat champion and then having to go second to a person that was hot. Mm-hmm. Like when you see someone get 20 or 20 plus, you're thinking, oh, it's yeah. over. Man, she stepped up there like a professional killer. <laughs> no pressure at all. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And, and it just made it look so easy. And uh, I was so happy for her. And, uh, and I was so happy that the uh, All-Star game was in Chicago. Yeah. And they got a chance to, you know, women's game got a chance to shine. Uh, Chicago Sky got an opportunity to, uh, you know, be a big part of that. And Chicago is one, in my opinion, should be on every list for every All-Star game play. Baseball, hockey, you know, you know, the Pro Bowl should be here. Uh, you know, WNBA, soccer, All-Star games. Because we have such a great fan base that appreciates sports, uh, you know you're going to get the turnout. And it is such a wonderful city, no matter what time of the year it is. You know, people can go downtown, restaurants, you know, sightsee. We just have so much to offer. So I was really glad that WNBA got to put it on in Chicago. Yeah, I got a chance to cover it, and it was it was a really a great event. Uh, Sylvia Fowles was retiring, got a breakaway dunk, which was really exciting for everybody. And James Wade was one of the coaches of the team. The sky is the best record in the WNBA. And uh, James says, what's up, Stacey? He really enjoyed his appearance on the, on the show. So if you haven't ca- caught that one, go back on YouTube. All our shows are posted there. Make sure you check out the episode with James Wade and with Allie Quigley earlier in the year. They were both great guests. See, and I, and I, you know, I don't want to say that we're – the reason why the sky is doing well. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's not a coincidence. No, America. it's not. It's not a coincidence. You know, everybody's doing well when they come on the show. That's right. No question oh, about it. I got a message. All right. So I get a message from Ari Spears that was on our show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we gave him a hot sauce. Okay, gave him, you know, gave him bottles of hot sauce. Yeah. He has called me now 
three times asking me for the original red with the garlic. Uh huh. He, he was, oh, oh, I got, hold on, man, Mark. I got to, you know, I normally don't read Texas, but I, I'm going to read what he said. Um, it was, it was hilarious. He says, uh, Stacy, it's official. You need to send me another bottle of the barbecue sauce and the garlic, <laughs> the garlic sauce. He says, I damn near drank that whole bottle like it was a smoothie. <laughs> So, so I, I sent him back. I said, he goes, he goes, that that's a fat man's baby formula. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to send him some more hot sauce and he's going to do, he's going to do a live taste test. Oh, great. Us. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he really enjoyed it. Well, we'll get the sauce packer, Timmy whispers back from his trip yeah. and he can make sure he gets that sent out. Yeah. You need to have it packed up tight. And Stacy, why don't you tell the good folks at home how they can get their own special order of Stacy's uh, signature hot sauces? Well, listen, all you got to do, America, is uh, stop buying Cholula and all the other BS out there. <laughs> Go to gimmethehotsauce.com, G-I-M-M-E, thehotsauce.com, or click a link on my bio in on Twitter, Instagram Live, uh, Twitter, uh, wherever. And just hit the link. It'll take you directly to where we sell the hot sauce. And you would you have choices to get one bottle, two bottles, three bottles, four bottle conference, uh, whatever bottles you want. We have we have an opportunity to get it. And it's 21% off. And just put in the code King21 and you'll get that discount. So as you see those beautiful bottles right there behind Mark. Uh that's right. See how beautiful they are. Look at look at the color. All look at lined they're up. So zest. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, they're so they're so zestful and it's so pretty and it's beautiful and they taste great. And remember, you feel like it. <laughs> we got so many codes though, Stacy. The the code for the hot sauce is hot sauce twenty one. So if you oh, want oh. you want to get a discount, you can go to give me the hot sauce.com use the code hot sauce 21 you get 21 percent off your first order it will be personally packaged with love by our own hot sauce packer timmy whispers we also have shirts mugs all kinds of swag so go to give me the hot sauce.com we got the testimonial from ari spears we're, we're, we're yes. good to go yes and you know what i get testimonials every day from people uh, who buy it on Twitter. You know, they just say, oh my God, this is the best hot sauce. And America, we're not just telling you, we're not just tooting our own horn, okay? I'm telling you right now, if you haven't bought a bottle of our hot sauce, you definitely have to buy it and taste it. It will be the best hot sauce that you'll ever taste. I had somebody the other day talk about they, uh, they were barbecuing. They put it on their, you know, their ribs and chicken. And they were like, man, yeah. I just ordered six more bottles of that. So it, it's very good. It's it's organic. You can't, You won't go wrong. Trust me, you'll love it. Yeah, your guy Young Jordan says Melissa bought the hot sauce. Yes, Melissa. I was on yesterday because, you know, periodically, Mark, I jump on people's podcasts, yeah. okay? Because, you know, we don't stand on top of the mountain, okay? Even though it takes, a, it, you have to crawl to get to the top to see us, you know, I jump down sometimes, Mark. I'm like Zeus. I come down <laughs> off the mountaintop, and I go visit other, I visit other people. I get on their podcast, and I talk to them. So yesterday... I was on my boy Young Jordan's podcast with a young lady named Melissa, and uh, we had a great time yesterday. And uh, we were talking about dogs and, and things, and yeah. we just had a great conversation. And um, you know, I always tell these young podcasters, you know, don't get frustrated. You know, you got to go through a lot to get these things started. And I like to try to jump on people's show to help them uh, get a kickstart, um, and we have fun. So. Uh, shout out to my man, Young Jordan. Uh, he's he's got a great little he's got a great little podcast. Um, I think it's nothing but bulls. Or hold on, man, let me see. I don't want to I don't want to say the wrong thing. 
Uh, yeah, you'd be know, sending people only, to the wrong show. Yeah, you know what? There's so many, man. There's yeah, so there many. are. But but you know, it it just it just you got to make sure you say the right one, man. You got you know you got to make sure you say the right one. I'm trying to find the name right now, Mark. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Mark, don't be afraid to feel for that little two seconds till I find. What kind of teammate are you? Jesus. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a, a little bit about what the uh, what the Bears did this week. They bring in a reclamation project, Nikhil Harry from the New England Patriots. He was a first round pick. They're going to bring him in as a hopefully a training camp receiver Good to help. Pickup. With Good Justin Fields, I mean, he was a guy that did really well in the Pac-12, and and hopefully, guys six four who can play on uh, kick return teams as well. So as we get two weeks away from the start of Bears training camp, they bring in a receiver that hopefully can add some depth and, and some quality to their group because. Uh, hey, Mark, their, re- their receivers are starting to look pretty good. Darnell Mooney you know, is is going to be really good this year. Yeah, they're, they're starting to get some speed. They're starting to get some size. Uh, targets and you got to remember they still got to uh, commit the tight end is there that's a good pickup Cole Komet, a good yeah. for so if their running game you know is any kind of you know positive for them uh, and they can keep you know the quarterback up Justin Fields up without getting sacked a hundred times I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs but they got a chance to to develop something nice and, and you know like I said it's levels to this so hopefully they'll uh you know they'll get uh, they'll get it going, but oh my podcast name America. See, I'm, there you go. It, so many, so many. It's nothing but Bulls podcast. Okay, nothing but Bulls podcast, and uh, it's a very good young show. It's in the infancy stages. Mark, Mark, we're trendsetters. Okay, that's right. We're trendsetters. Okay, we're gonna jump on YouTube now. We're on Twitch. Everybody's following our lead, baby. Cause cause Bull, nothing but Bulls podcast had their first podcast on YouTube yesterday. So there you go. We are. We are we are opening the door to all Bulls podcasts. They're following us, baby. Mark, we're the leader, baby. We're riding <laughs> in first. <laughs> and Stacy, kind enough to jump on the show and spread his knowledge to all the listeners of Young Jordan's podcast. So we appreciate that, and we appreciate everybody who watched uh, on YouTube and on the Twitch stream. And you can, of course, always catch us on your favorite podcast home. And on YouTube, anytime you want, you can access our entire library of shows. I want to thank Chuck Cooperstein for joining us today. We're going to have a special guest coming up next week. The pride of Lincolnshire Stevenson High School, Jalen Brunson, is going to jump on the show. Of course, he's been in the news signing that big free agent contract with the New York Knicks. So make sure to make your plans to join us next week as Jalen Brunson stops on by, Stace. I'm looking forward to that. I've known Jalen for a long time. I'm really excited for him. You know, it's going to be a lot of responsibility going to New York, a little bit different playing in the Big Apple than it is in Dallas. And, you know, expectations, Mark, you know how it is in that city, boy, they'll boo you in a second. Yeah, and he's got to deal with tips. Ice, ice. And he's shaking in the hand. Yeah. Um, Jalen's a tough kid, though. You know, he's been around this. He, You know, he knows all about Tib. I just think it's the expectations that's going to come with a guy making $26 million a year that, you know, I think that's going to be a lot of pressure on him because when you're in a big city like that, you know, New York wants championships. They don't, they don't want to just make the playoffs or play. Right. They're used to winning teams and the star players under much more scrutiny. I mean, look at Julius Randle the last year, he's flipping off the crowd after being an all-star starter in the, in, you know, two years ago, he's all flipping off the crowd. They're booing him every time he touches the ball. And Jalen is a tough minded kid. I think he'll do well there. But I think it's the expectations of, you know, signing a hundred million plus contract and then also making when people look at he's making twenty six million dollars a year. 
you know, that that's going to be something he's going to have to deal with, but I think he'll be fine. So everybody check your social media accounts, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. We'll send you a notice on when the episode with Jalen Brunson is going to drop. That's coming up next week on give me the hot sauce. So Stacy, be well, take care of yourself. Don't overdo it. And hopefully we'll see you in the studio real soon. I'll be back next week, Mark. All right. <laughs> like Shane, Shane, come back. I'm coming back. <laughs> Give me the hot sauce. 88 in the books. Can't go on. Drive on. Drive on. Drive on.